right. I've been walking around with this album <laughs> for literally years. No record player. I haven't heard a single song. And now I finally get to hear it, and you're trying to cut me to two clips? Really? Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. This is our first special edition episode. Merry Christmas. Jesus fucking Santa. (laughs) What's up on the rooftop? I think we're going to air this one week before Christmas. That's the plan, right? Give people the extended. It is one week before Christmas. It currently is. One week before Christmas. Hope y'all got your shopping done. And to get you through the stress of the holidays, we are crafting this special edition episode of not one, not two, not three, but four different Christmas records we're going to talk about on this episode. The spirit of the season is more. So I'm I'm your I'm your host. Sean Hartman. We haven't done this part yet. Oh, the intros, right. <laughs> I'm joined by my regular co-host who got a little excited and wanted to start talking already. Uh, I love Christmas. To, to my left, we have our one and only erotic snow globe collector, Jeremy Ruggles. <laughs> Don't nod our spot now. <laughs> we, of course, have our timekeeper for the Colorado Rockies minor league affiliate, the Albuquerque Isotopes, Peter Cook. <laughs> That's me, and it's time to get started. <laughs> and our special guest, who's just a boy who likes a good jingle, Will Moss. Yep. Thanks for joining us, Will. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Traditionally, with our guests, we like to learn a little bit about them before we dive in. Tell us about yourself. Christmas is my favorite, just in general, just music, anything like that. Okay. Yep. Do you do any music yourself maybe something somebody might have seen you do before um i mean it's i don't think anybody's ever seen it but i am part of like a backing band for a christmas group that is going to be very big damn okay is this all hush hush you got any i really can't say that much about it okay you got nda'd yeah you got that nda signed right yeah yeah if not, we can clean up and post. Okay. Any other projects you want to hype? Any plugs? <laughs> Nothing. Just a super secret and just a boy who likes a good jingle and some yeah. Christmas music. Yeah, just Christmas. Okay. Eggnog. Eggnog. About it. <laughs> we, yep. we just pulled Will Moss like off the street. <laughs> he was like walking by, and we're like, "You look like you're in the spirit. Come on in. You got a record handy." Please. Yeah, I was walking down the street with my Stevie Wonder Christmas record. Yeah, as I often do. Hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like, "Pardon me, good sir. Might that record be worth five dollars or less? <laughs> Would you like to talk into a microphone about it for, say, an hour?" And Will said, "That's only the third weirdest question I've been asked today." Yeah, my first initial reaction was, "Do they have whippets?" <laughs> Turned so. out. You did, yep. so that's pumpkin why I'm pie. here. Yeah, and pumpkin, pumpkin pie. pie. Yeah, because it's you know it's Christmas. right before Christmas yeah. right now. Yep. 
Yep. And Jeremy being the excellent host that he is, he wanted to get us all in the spirit of Christmas. With some pumpkin pie. <laughs> and whippets. And whippets. <laughs> Normally on this podcast, we do one record each episode, do a little bit of a deep dive. For this special edition, we're going to do the four records, less of a deep dive in each one, so we're not taking up too much of your time, get the uh, maximum music effect. I'm going to go first with my selection, which I'm just going to come out and say is hands down the greatest Christmas record ever recorded. No hyperbole. No, it's just the the facts. Just the facts. I know Will's going to back me up on it. It's just, it's literally the best one. Everybody else tried real hard, and there was some good efforts out there. We might even hear a couple more good efforts later on, but this is number one with a bullet. When you first came to me with the idea for this, I wanted to do this album. True. That's a lot of build-up. What album? What album are we doing? <laughs> so what do you have to say about Boys to Men Christmas impressions? We're going to be dropping the needle on the 1968 album by the Rotary Connection called Peace on Cadet Concept Records. Wow. Where should I drop the needle? Let's go ahead and... Where's Santa sleigh dropping it? <laughs> We're actually going to skip the first intro track and go right into part one of Silent Night on this record. All right, get your hot cocoa and your pumpkin pie ready. Here we go. And the whippets. Sonny Chirac? <laughs> no, um, I believe that's all Phil Upchurch. Oh, nice. Yeah, totally. yeah you, you introduced me to Phil Upchurch. 
that uh, we've talked before about starting to recognize who your favorite session players are. And that's one that I've been, it's been on my radar for a long time. Anything with Phil Upchurch on it can't be that bad of a record. Jeremy, how do you feel about this album so far? You can read it on my face. My dukes are up. I'm ready to get feisty. Sean, this is a great sounding Christmas record. Thank you. Highly original. Uh-huh. Seems like people might value it at, say, more than the five median value we set on the limit of this show. Some people might do that. Maybe Discogs? Discogs. Some people won't do that, though. Yeah. You cannot buy this album for less than $5 on the internet. However, I have decided, as probably the highest ranking member of this podcast, I would say, (laughs) that I'm going to make an exception on this album for a Christmas episode because... Christmas music in particular is usually very undervalued at most record stores because most people don't collect Christmas music. And you can find this album in dollar bins and extremely underpriced, even though it's a good copy, depending on the edition, is worth like 20 bucks. So what you're telling the rest of us is uh, the whole do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. I decide when the exceptions are made, and I think this was a perfectly fine exception, Jeremy. So if I can sell a record to a record store and be like, hey, put this in the the bargain bin. You're going to get a free buck out of this. I need to do a podcast about this record that is not a bargain bin record, but we have these rules and I'd follow them. So I'm creating this convoluted situation. What else do you want us to hear? Well, yeah, but are you saying that that's what I did? Because that's not what I did. I'm saying that you could go to multiple record stores and find this album for cheap. Because I've seen it several places for very little it. money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agree to disagree. Bag. Let's move on. <sighs> Whatever, dude. I win. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the music, though. That that track was hot, right? <laughs> it was. It was good. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear a little bit about Rotary Connection? Yeah. Who they were? Okay. Are you familiar with the chess record labels no. from Chicago? Peter? Chess chess i i know of chess offhand i can't even remember who's mainly associated with chess chess was one of the big chicago blues labels in the 60s muddy waters was on there howlin wolf was bo diddley on chess yes bo diddley did some stuff on chess etta james was on there as well okay yeah a bunch of big chicago blues and soul artists and the son of the founder of chess records whose name was marshall chess decided to start a subsidiary label called Cadet Concept Records, whose concept was to move farther away from the traditional sounds of blues and start incorporating more of the rock and the psych that was going on and cash in on that market a little bit. And one of the bands that was founded to help launch the label was this group, The Rotary Connection, which was made up of a lot of young, forward-thinking, up-and-coming musicians in the Chicago scene who were some of the most out there psych players who were also very musically talented. And they put the band together with the concept of fusing blues and jazz with far out psych and experimental stuff and just seeing what would happen. They were also the backing band on a couple notable records in the chess catalog. They're on Muddy Waters' infamous Electric Mud album, which is the one that has the crazy psych guitar solos behind it and has muddy playing electric guitar through wah pedals and stuff and that he hated the record like the initial release had the promo disclaimer on the album saying like this is muddy water's new record and he hates it and he hated his electric guitar <laughs> and in all interviews muddy had stated that record was an embarrassment to him and he wished he'd never been forced into doing it but it's 
a very valuable record now because it is really good and it has aged very well. And this is the band. We mentioned Phil Upchurch was a guitar player in it, went on to be a very notable side musician, studio musician, and the big player on the vocal side is Minnie Ripperton. This is how she got her start after going solo and making some masterpiece soul records after this. She's infamous for having a huge vocal range. When I first started listening to Rotary Connection, some of the sounds in here I thought were a theremin, but are actually Minnie's really high-pitched vocals. Oh, right. You played me some Minnie, I believe, in your garage. Mm -hmm. Let's hear another cut there. You get two more. What do you want? (laughs) Peter graciously offered one of his cuts because... His idea of a Christmas album is just an album that has a Christmas song on it. Yeah, there's more to it when we get to it, but I'll save that for when I'm we're there. I'm foreshadowing. Let's go ahead and hear one of my other favorite songs off this album, Sidewalk Santa, track four on side B. Fill the air so very clear. The sounds of Christmas. I hear the tinkling of a bell so very near. Someone is ringing it. Oh, it's the sad one, Santa Claus. Oh. I see a bucket in his hand He smiles and asks What will I be giving? I smile at him and look away That song's a perfect example of one of the things I love about this record is it gets dark. It's the anti-Christmas record in a lot of ways. They have their moments that are really sweet and soulful. They have their semi-traditional Christmas covers on here. And then they have a lot of songs that are really just diving into the depressing side of Christmas, the people that get left behind, the rampant consumerism that leaves people damaged. You know, this song is talking about out of work sidewalk Santas that are depressed and not making ends meet kind of thing. The context of this record was the Vietnam war was going on. And a lot of the idea of this was how do people affected by the Vietnam war deal with this extravagant American holiday and how do we reconcile something that's supposed to be happy when there's so much intense stuff going on in the world, which still relevant concept, I would say. Yeah. There's one kind of interesting and funny story related to all of that. One of the ads that they had promoting this record before it came out was this graphic image of a bloody and beaten Santa Claus in the middle of the battlefield (laughs) promoting the record. And, uh, 
apparently Montgomery Ward saw that and thought it was the album cover and made this big public stink about how they were pulling that record from their shelves and would not be stocking it, which just kind of added, of course, to the infamy and controversy of the album. Yeah, it's a it's it was a strange choice on their end and is aged really well. I think there's a lot of experimental elements. Really cool record. Yeah. You want a one track to go out on here before we shift gears? Yeah. Will, you got a track you want to hear off it? Cool. We're going to hear the song Peace at Last. Peace at Last. That sounds peaceful and nice. It's so nice. Every year I have the same question Something that puts me so very uptight Where does Santa get all those gifts from? Why is he riding so late at night? I know why I know why The kid is high The kid is stone I know I know that Santa smokes that mistletoe. They said what would happen if he gave it to the kids. One last mention, you know, in keeping with that theme of that song of Santa getting high as balls off some mistletoe, he looks high as balls on this album cover. Jeremy, you want to describe that real quick? Well, Santa has a three foot long pipe of some nature. and Maybe some mistletoe up in it. There might be mistletoe in it. Mistletoke. Ooh. Ooh, well done. (laughs) And it appears the members of Rotary Connection have been made into little dolls or i don't know if maybe they're supposed to be elves they're not they're just dressed as hippies just real small versions kind of climbing on him like a mountain Mm -hmm. Uh, so really this is a great family christmas album oh i love playing this at family get-togethers i've done that so many times but you play it at the volume level where it's in the background and everyone's like oh a christmas song i'm hearing silent night and then halfway through someone eventually is just gonna be like what the fuck are you subjecting me yeah. to? What is going on? I sold this to a dude who was looking for a Christmas record for a work party. <laughs> and he brought it back in. <laughs> Hell yeah. It was great. All right, Peter, what do you bring us today? I have brought along the waitresses with their 1982 EP, I Could Rule the World If I Could Only Get the Parts. It features the song Christmas Rapping, which on this release is the only Christmas song. Yes, I'm only doing one song. And this EP, this was a popular song, and the EP re- reached number 128 on the U.S. Billboard Top 200 in January of 1983. This song was not originally on this, though. It was first released in 1981 on the ZE Records 
compilation, A Christmas Record. This featured original seasonal songs by artists like Was Not Was, Material featuring Bill Laswell, and Suicide. Now, the reason I didn't choose that one is because I don't have the authority to select a uh, record who ha- that has a medium value of over $10. Yeah, that's just me. <laughs> yeah, we're all held to your rules. You're the 1% of this show. True. I so will we actually that. represent more of the show than you. Mm, yeah, but I still can have the controlling element. Okay. <laughs> but also, to be fair, that one, you're not going to find that in a bargain bin. That one's, if you find that one, I'm sure it's, are you familiar with this compilation? No. At all? I didn't really know it existed. I knew the song because I had picked this up several years ago for $5 at Corner Record Shop Kalamazoo and went in not really knowing much about the waitresses. Yes, the song is Christmas Rapping and the title is a pun on lead vocalist Patty Donahue's almost rapped vocals. Uh, This was 1981, the same year as Blondie's Rapture. Mm. So apparently if you're doing a... uh, Rap song in 1981, you have to make a pun in the title. (laughs) Fair. The uh, song was written by guitarist Chris Butler, who also wrote The Waitress's best-known song, I Know What Boys Like. Are we familiar with that song? Right, right. (laughs) I don't think so. I know what boys like. They're good. I know what boys want. What do they want? What do they like? Boys like Jeremy. This is a family podcast, Sean. I'm going to follow rules. How many F-bombs have we had so far this Zero Christmas episode? Zero from me, mind you, ever on the podcast. Are you going to release the Somebody the go radio through the podcast <laughs> and find me dropping an F-bomb. It doesn't happen. Okay. I'm not an animal. I keep it clean. You'll notice when we get to this that, yes, she does kind of rap the vocals. Patty Donahue kind of half sings them, half raps them, and she... Must have been influential enough that Jay-Z covered I Know What Boys Like or sampled it on his second album, Him and Puff Daddy. Nice. (laughs) Now, this song is written from the perspective of a busy single woman who is adamant not to participate in the exhausting Christmas period. So the song spoke to me because I can relate. I've worked in retail for many years. Now I work for a nonprofit that celebrates, celebrates Christmas for several months of the year. Uh, There's a man she's been chasing all year, and a series of mishaps keeps them apart. So, let's listen to the song, at least through the first chorus here, and hear about her woes. Never the time. 
clothesline, so deck those halls, trim those trees, raise up cups of Christmas cheer. I just need to catch my breath, Christmas by myself this year. with which you prefaced the contents of that song that was stunning (laughs) exactly how you described it it was like i heard it twice (laughs) (laughs) i was singing it wasn't i (laughs) yeah a little bit sing song yeah (laughs) so yeah she was singing merry christmas but i think i'll miss this one this year there but fear not uh, on christmas eve in the in the next verse while roasting the world's smallest turkey she realizes she's forgotten cranberries she, she runs out to the 24-hour grocery store and runs into the guy she's been chasing all year he too has forgotten cranberries Aww. so this encounter brings her christmas to a very happy ending the next time around Aww. she says couldn't miss this one this year oh isn't that cute yeah that's so nice. And when I first picked this up about seven years ago, I was living with my friend Ellen Grant at the time. And when I put this on, the first thing she said was, the Spice Girls covered this song. And they did. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the B-side to their 1998 single, Goodbye. And they anglicized it by uh, changing some of the businesses mentioned and Cranberries became Potatoes. Oh. Now, they, they messed up, though, <laughs> because... They didn't, they just kept saying, I keep off, or I think I'll miss this one this year, even after everything goes well in the song. Oh, they want to keep it dark. Yeah. <laughs> this place goes dark. <laughs> the attention to detail made it dark, yeah. or the lack of attention to detail, that is. A little bit about the waitresses. Had you guys, some of you had heard this song before? Mm-hmm. You, were, you were familiar with yeah, it well? Yeah, I heard it on the Star 105.7. <laughs> Yeah. nice it's i've never heard it out in the wild as they say but it was a fairly popular song i think it was pretty big in the uk hence how the spice girls came to cover it the waitresses a little bit of info background on them they were formed in akron ohio by chris butler in 1978 as a side project for his band tin huey he'd met patty donahue while they were at kent state and he'd written the song i know what boys like they recorded an early version together and he would bring Patty on stage with Tin Huey at the end of their shows to perform it, and they would switch to calling themselves the waitresses for this. 
The two of them moved to New York City and landed a deal with ZE Records, the ones who put out that Christmas comp that had all the weird artists on it. They formed a proper band with Chris Butler on guitar, Patty Donahue on vocals. They had a number of members. On this EP, former television member Billy Ficka is on the drums. So the guy who's playing on Marky Moon is the drummer on that. Tracy Wormworth is on bass. She later went on to the B-52s. Her brother is also the drummer from Jimmy Vivino and the basic cable band from Conan O'Brien, <laughs> the guy that replaced Max Weinberg. Mars Williams is on sax. He was later in the Psychedelic Furs. So this is kind of like an all-star band. Some guys that I've never heard of named Dan Clayman on organ and Dave Buck on trumpet on that song. Ooh, they got to be obscure if Peter hasn't heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have any uh, hyperlinks on their names. Oh, man. Oh, man. The Waitresses only put out two full-length albums, Wasn't Tomorrow Wonderful in 1982 and Bruiseology in 1983. Unfortunately, Patty Donahue died of lung cancer at the age of 40 in 1996. Chris Butler, meanwhile, worked as a producer and played with Richard Lloyd, another television connection, as well as that band The DBs, which is a band I'm familiar with. I don't really know their music that much. I don't either. I've seen it around. Yeah, that's one of my favorite fun, I guess, downer-turned-upper Christmas songs. And I just, that's the one I kept going back to. I I need to really brush up for next year on a full-length Christmas album. (laughs) No, I liked that. I liked what you brought there. I like the optimism that we'll be going for at least a whole other year of this, too. (laughs) True. I mean, we fully intend on it, but like, it's just nice to verbalize that sometimes. Speak it into existence a little bit. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. The the rest of that EP is very strange, by the way. It's worth checking out. And and you can find it for three, four, or five bucks in a lot of record stores. Oh, that's under the medium value. That's great. Mm. Oh, good job. Perfect. I bet you you can find it even cheaper sometimes because Christmas records are often devalued. Is it a Christmas record, though? It's not. So actually, you might pay too much for this because it's not a Christmas record. Wow. Let me turn here to Will, our first person to follow all the rules. Brought us a Christmas album with a medium value under $5. What a guest. Yep. What did you bring us, Will? I brought Someday at Christmas by Stevie Wonder. Oh, that's a, a good one. Yeah, it's it's good. It's got all the all the real good, feel-good Stevie Wonder's soulful Christmas songs. It was originally released in 67, about a month before Christmas. Basically, as soon as it came out, three years later, it had already been covered by The Temptations and Jackson 5 and would go on to be covered by many many more people where did you find this one what like what store yeah do you remember when you bought this yeah it was that satellite we don't say that yeah, okay well then why'd you fucking ask <laughs> all right wait ask that question again hey do you remember when you bought this no, record i have been wandering around holding on to it for as long as i can remember until we asked you to come in off the street <laughs> yeah uh, yep just had it Let's just, I just want to put it on. I'm holding it. it I'm like, man. Just do the first track. Someday at Christmas, the first track is the title track. It's the one that everybody fucks with. Heavy. Brutal. It's got a little bit of everything. Someday at Christmas, men won't be boys. Playing with bombs like kids play with toys. One warm December, our hearts will see a world where men are free. Mm -hmm. 
Authentic bargain bin record complete with surface noise and skips. I like it. That's some real shit right there. Yep. That I, was I hear the holly log burning actually. <laughs> <laughs> that was my Netflix app on my phone with the, the burning log. The burning log. Yeah, sorry, I forgot to okay. silence my phone. It's yeah, my the, the skips were real, but the crackle was that roaring fireplace yeah. with the chestnuts. Yep. They're gonna be tasty on my pumpkin pie. I'm ready for Definitely. it. Definitely. You know, I I meant to ask this at the top of the episode, but I just want to get like a little bit of a feel for like, what's everybody's level of Christmas appreciation in this room? I know that my boy, Will and I are like completely all in on Christmas. See, I do love me some good festivities. I got to just say capitalism is a hellscape and like consumeristic holidays are like inherently evil, but less about the gifts and everything or whatever less about like the american christmas spirit more about the music and the eggnog and i mean fuck the winter i don't know there's there's <laughs> ups and downs to it all so, so what i'm hearing is that you're all in on christmas i would say that i'm like a good 94 percent. okay that's fair yeah i mean i would say that you can't truly appreciate something unless you're also willing to critique it true yeah. okay so what are you then sean I'm pretty much right there with Will. 94. I love the aesthetic of it. I love all the things that Christmas could be, Yeah, I would say. The rampant consumerism is kind of a nightmare. Having to work in retail on Christmas could be a real nightmare, but food, the music, the lights, the weather until after Christmas when it's just you know annoying and you wish it was springtime already. So you're saying like communism on paper. It yeah. sounds great. Yeah, Christmas and communism on paper. <laughs> Both excellent. You know, a communist Christmas could be pretty cool. Let's do it. True. <laughs> are we going to have a communist Christmas Let's party see. at the Jeremy Ruggles household this year? Oh, those are nice speakers, Jeremy. <laughs> Where are the green? They could be ours. <laughs> Jeremy, what's how do you, what are your thoughts and feelings and vibes in this Christmas time? It is. I mean, all the things you're saying are true. I'm, I'd say, a bit more of a realist. I can't just latch onto that optimism and be like, yeah, the idea of the brotherhood of Christmas is awesome, (laughs) even though in reality it's just people purchasing things and like spending time with people they wouldn't normally spend time with, for better or worse. I feel like there's two sides to that even. Yeah, see, I, I kind of stopped doing as much of the hang out with people I wouldn't normally hang out with. That was kind of my concept with becoming an adult and, and going at Christmas was like, I'm just going to skip the elements of it that I don't like and start my own traditions and hang out with the people that I want to hang out with and enjoy the season as much as I possibly can on my own terms. True. I I just try not to interface with Fox News people. and Oh, yeah. When like they're in your family or whatever, you just deal with it, and yeah. they 
don't want to deal with it ever though. I'm fifty two percent okay stoked yeah. on Christmas. <laughs> cool. There's a sliver of optimism enough to do a Christmas themed podcast episode. Yeah, yeah communist Christmas. I <laughs> I might get behind this year. Yeah. Okay, I might do a Soviet themed Christmas episode. You know um, I'll be there. All right. I'd also like to add that Christmas can be like, I mean. Seasonal depression affects a lot of people, especially here in Michigan. Yeah. And Christmas can be like a beacon for some people. Some folks are just trying to get through that nasty gray shit for six months out of the year. <laughs> and they have Christmas to look forward to. And like whether or not it's making your own traditions or going to see family that you haven't seen or whatever the hell you're doing. It just is something to look forward to when it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of that to go around i like sledding and pumpkin pie yeah those things are very christmas there's a lot to like (laughs) that's my christmas tradition how do you feel about smoke and mistletoe though oh man i cannot say that on the air i love it i have a political career (laughs) to think about if i'm gonna make this communist christmas a reality i can't I have the world knowing about my mistletoe habits. Peter, where are you on <laughs> if, Christmas? If the if the dank mistletoe supply is not in full effect at this communist party, I'm not. Me either. either. Me either, dude. We're going to have to start our own little thing. Yeah. So ever since I learned about this smoking mistletoe thing, I, Christmas has been on the ups for me. Wow. In the past hour, you're ascending the skill. Very rapidly. I, I think I touched on it earlier, but I was, as a youngster... All in on Christmas. Yeah. And I love that time of year. I would say into my 20s. And then retail started to drag me down. Working in retail where the Christmas stuff comes in in August. <laughs> and it starts coming in as a stocker and whatnot. And the music is there. And very much for a number of years was a bah humbug. <laughs> uh, and that's probably why that... I probably was relating more to her negative aspect of that waitress's song than the turnaround <laughs> But in recent years, things have changed for me. I I start to feel the holiday spirit more and more. I've been out of retail for a year and a half, and there is a lot of Christmas celebration at my current workplace, but it's in good spirit, and yeah, I'm turning around. I'm getting back up. I'm like maybe at like 62%, <laughs> about okay. 10% ahead of you. Fair enough. Uh, is there another cut from this album you wanted the people to hear? I would like everyone to be aware that he covers Ave Maria on this album. Oh, that's <laughs> it's so pretty freaking ridiculous. Take and it did. 
dopest Ave Maria on record. Yep. Probably true. Yeah, there's, I initially thought he was going to do, I never dreamed you'd leave in summer, which I remember from the movie Poetic Justice. Are you familiar with that song at all? Nope. You haven't seen the John Singleton masterpiece Poetic Justice with Janet Jackson and Tupac Shakur? Mm-mm. Nope. Sure I haven't. You're Tell missing. us about it, Peter. <laughs> You're missing out. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a great rendition of that song. Yeah, did you have some more you wanted to say about this record, Will? Mostly it was just funny that he put out this record basically 10 years before he started getting very political. And it's just funny to look at the, the contrasts between 12-year-old Stevie Wonder when he was first starting to put out songs and like helping compose and that kind of stuff. And then Motown Machine, Stevie Wonder, putting out some god dang Christmas records covering <laughs> Ave Maria. And then, yeah, nine years after that, it was just songs in the key of life. And oh, I just love I just love Stevie Wonder so much. Definitely. We've kind of touched on that a little bit with the, the Motown factory approach to mm-hmm. producing records where in the early days, everything was so controlled that the artists didn't really have a lot of their own voice and a lot mm. of their own say in the content. And a lot of that actually started changing during the Detroit riots in the late 60s. And it, the political aspect came literally so close to home for them that the artists could no longer not address it in the music. And you started getting a lot of very political albums from artists that previously had only done very sugary pop soul mm. kind of music. But before all that, Motown was cranking out Christmas hits, if I'm not mistaken. There are a lot of really good Motown Christmas albums. Being specifically a collector of Christmas soul records, there's a lot of cheesy crap out there. And some of the best is all from Motown. The Temptations have an incredible Christmas record. The Miracles actually have two Christmas records that are both some of my all-time favorites. The Supremes had some great Christmas music. Wait, did you just say the Supremes had some great they had music? Their moments. Whoa, Christmas music. <laughs> His heart is melted. It grew three sizes the day <laughs> DJ Earl Jordan brought us the Supremes, Floyd Joy, and now Sean. I've been up on the, I've been up on the Christmas music for a long time. A mountain on high. <laughs> Screaming down to the villagers below. <laughs> the Supremes are beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I'd also just like to take this moment for a little bit of self-promotion. I did a Christmas-themed beat tape with my good friend James Duke last year that was digitally released on the You Don't Deserve This Beautiful Art label. Is that Darko the Supers label? The one and only. Excellent. You can find that on UD dtba.bandcamp.com the beat tape is called hits from the nog by dj hard bargain and dj Frypan. sampled some of the music that we played on this podcast today already and an incredible title i know i love it hits from the nog i thought of that one you're welcome <laughs> thank you yeah. it, i can confirm that it is a good christmas jam for eating pumpkin pie too mm-hmm. so once you're done with this podcast and you want some more of the alternative side of christmas <laughs> go check it out the communist alternative <laughs> perfect soundtrack for all of your perfect communist christmas. christmas parties out there all right you got to play the the final track final track
Christmas classic. Truly. All right. And I'll bring the last record. Let me, I'm shuffling through the door, kicking my snow boots off, shaking off my sweater. You've got a nice cup of cocoa for me. You got a plate with some pumpkin pie. With the little marshmallows on top of the cocoa. I know how you like it. Well, I've brought the record Eine Gitarre für Weihnachten. Also known as a guitar for Christmas by Leona Boyd. Found this record when I lived in San Diego and tried to get in the Christmas spirit as best I could. It's like 70 degrees there all year. Not Christmassy vibes at all. There's palm trees. It's uh, I'm sure there's like Christmas movies about people that live in like LA or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. That just it's hard to they get suck. in the spirit i think father of the bride is about that i knew you'd come through with <laughs> with something i'm like uh, i'll just who's, describe who's in that it. movie peter peter will <laughs> i believe that uh steve martin diane keaton oh my god <laughs> who directed it leona boyd was she's canadian you say that like it's a bad thing i know i didn't i didn't totally there was some there was some vibes in the way you said that Okay, she was Canadian. She was born in England and grew up in Canada. It might have been the, I have a thing against the English. (laughs) Are we supposed to jump to the defense of the English here? (laughs) Was that that our moment? Did we we skip that? (laughs) (laughs) The record is called A Guitar for Christmas. It's her eighth studio record out of 26 records she made. And she actually received her first guitar as a present for christmas her father was from spain and got a guitar from spain and brought it back to her and she leona boyd i had never heard of her but they call her the first lady of the guitar and she's extremely good at guitar i'm just gonna play wouldn't that mean that she's just like married to a really good guitar player though That's, I didn't think about that. That's a terrible, I mean, of course it's a terrible name. This is from uh, 19, well, this album came out in 1981. Wait, Sister Rosetta Tharp. She she was just the first guitarist. I think, well, this is just like far enough back in our history that I think those people couldn't conceive of like a female as anything other than the first lady. Right, right, right. right. That's like the highest post a woman's going to get to. But we don't live in that era anymore. Would you say that you agree, disagree with that, Jeremy? (laughs) 
You know I disagree, Sean. Okay, good. Can I just say that she looks straight up angelic on this album cover? Oh, yeah. The like, album cover is her with super pleasant soft lighting, mm-hmm. and she's in a very flowy white robe kind of thing with big old like 70s hair. Yeah. Kind of like poofied up, and she's, she's playing some guitar. It looks like an oil painting kind of from back yeah. here. It's magical. I mean, she's like 90% flowing robe with just like two hands and some hair. Yeah. I'm going to play a cut that is my favorite Christmas song. I think you already played Silent Night, but I'm going to play her version of Silent Night Mm. because it is real good. It's real good. That's probably my favorite Christmas song as well, so let's let's do it. your favorite christmas movie fanny and alexander typical yeah Yeah. i have no idea what that is that's a super peter pick it's like a six hour long fucking german or swedish art film or something it's like a lot of quiet parts and it's real artsy if you've seen harold and maude you've seen it okay (laughs) it's actually really good (laughs) i'm just kidding i've never seen (laughs) (laughs) no it it is have you seen harold and maude (laughs) Yeah, my mom watched that that movie with me when I was ten years old, something like uh, that. Weird it was vibes. pretty freaking weird. I still think about it all the time. It's on Netflix for some reason. It's a weird one. Isn't it considered a classic? It sure is. It must be. It's very erotic. Yeah, but court. Well, uh, <laughs> what you gonna do? What do you guys think of the song? That was beautiful. Oh, yeah, it was, it was good. beautiful. I love it when people can tremolo pick while they're also classical picking. I yeah. don't really know the terminology, but... Yeah, you yeah, may beautiful. have noticed she's super good at guitar, and that's because she studied under Andre Segovia and Heard Julian Brim, yep. Brim, mm-hmm. Brim, and a bunch of like people that are probably really good that I just didn't recognize their names. Peter would have done the research. Yeah. I mean, I did the research. I was just like, I don't know who these people are. I'm not saying anything about that. But she played Carnegie Hall in 1975 when she would have been 26 years old. Whoa. 
and over her career recorded with Chet Atkins, L.D. Miola, David Ooh. Gilmore, Yo-Yo Ma, Eric Clapton, Olivia Newton-John. Wow. So it's some huge names, and I had never heard of her before. I was just buying a bunch of random Christmas albums, and if I didn't like them, I'd just throw them in a bush or something. But this one was top of the stack. That's why it's here today. Mm-hmm. I noticed that the roaring fire has died down since we were listening to Will's album. Yeah, I keep my records in primo condition. What does that have to do with the fire? Not much. I like Not to sit by lot. the fire and use your records. advanced methods to clean my records. <laughs> what you got, one of them VPNs? <laughs> I got a VPN. <laughs> Will, for all the wandering you had done, your record was in pretty good shape, though. Yeah, it was pretty good for being a 21 year old 1980 re-release fair enough yeah i just want to jump back into that real quick the original version of will's record is worth a lot of money like you would have to only get the 80s version of that to technically slide by on the under five dollar increment so i wonder if mine's the reissue or the original i should look you should not look anyways it's classical guitar though like people don't collect classical guitar it's probably not very valuable i'm talking about my stevie wonder oh you're stevie you know i got a copy of that leona boyd i also i really like this album because only half of the songs are recognizable christmas songs and the other half are classical arrangements that just sound christmassy and some are songs that she made that are like have a Christmas feel to them, but are not necessarily Christmas songs because there's no lyrics. They're just like guitar pieces that sound Christmassy. So, being, I feel like it matches my 52% in on Christmas vibes. Totally. I don't want like someone preaching to me about the optimism of Christmas. Just like, let me feel a little guitar vibes and. I'll eat this pie, and let me, I'm going to throw one more cut on you. Mm-hmm. I did find one other interesting note about her, I guess more so about her life, because she was traveling the world and whatever, and much like many famous Canadians, she carried on a love affair with the Trudeau. In fact, Pierre Trudeau, who was wow. the prime minister of Canada, she had a secret affair with for eight years. So if you're unfamiliar with the Trudeaus, they both carried on many affairs and they were kind of hippies of sorts. And um, yeah. They still are hippies. They still are hippies. (laughs) So I'm going to play one of her less Christmassy or like non-official Christmas songs. Okay. But it's still got vibes. It's still got vibes. Okay. Let's hear it.
Jerome, do you have any recommendations of other records on a similar vibe to this for your fellow 52% Christmas fans out there? Yeah, I have a, a couple. I don't, I kind of doubt they are bargain bin finds, though, like you said, with Christmas records, you never know. Sometimes they just get thrown in bargain bins because they're Christmas records and nobody wants to look it up. But Are you uh, saying that I'm right? Are you admitting that I'm right? I would never. But uh, John Fahey, another fantastic guitar player, though more in the American primitive style, has a few Christmas records that are all very good and similarly kind of guitar instrumental driven songs so you don't you don't have that voice just telling you the christmas story over and over right i'm also seeing a a record conveniently sitting next to the liana boyd record in your stacks here in the room you want to tell us about that well i was considering bringing that record to the table it's john denver rocky mountain christmas Mm -hmm. it is unbelievably good but it is also it wasn't that vibe i wanted to bring and everybody knows john denver is great that's a fact of life that people are living in it surrounds them every day (laughs) Mm -hmm. and no one would ever argue with that fact and no one would argue with that Um, also that one's not as good as john denver's christmas with the muppets so i can understand that we want to hold off that for next year one that I've an album, <laughs> a Christmas album that I've really come to love that I'm sure is too new to be a, a bargain bin record. And Sean, I think you're familiar with it. Is my wife has uh, played this more and more each year that we've been together, and that would be Bob Dylan's "Christmas in the Heart." I love it. Oh <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. a fun record. And, and you know, initially I kind of thought it was bad, and it really grew on me over time. And his version of "It Must Be Santa." is uh, just a jolly good time. It's such a fun record. People were hating on that album. But I mean, it's bad, but it's fun. No, it's not. It is not. I mean, I like it. I like it, and it's fun, but it's not good yes, per it is. se. Stop it. Will, have you heard it? You want to weigh in on this? The John Denver Muppet no. Christmas? <laughs> no. Will, you no, got to lay off the whippets, bro. I can't. That was like four <laughs> minutes ago. Huh. Bob Dylan's Christmas album. I actually haven't heard it. Been out for about 10 years. Oh, it's in the <laughs> late period. Harsh call out, Peter. <laughs> well, I didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah, it's late period late Dylan. Late period yeah. Dylan. Uh, no, haven't heard it. Okay. Now, if you want to talk about the John Denver Muppet Christmas album. Sure. That Bob Dylan featured on and also played all of the instruments on and also sang on for the entire thing and killed all of the Muppets in the studio. Now we can have that conversation. I think we should save that for next year. Though. Yeah, we'll save that for yeah. next year. Fair um, enough. Well, thank you, Will, yeah. man on the street, for coming on in. I probably won't be back for a very long time. I'm bound to wander. I, I want to have you back for the car- Carpenters. Are we doing a Carpenters? Oh, yeah. God. Come back for that, please. We'll find you. We'll scour the streets. We'll scour the streets. To find you. So Just hopefully you can find a Carpenter's album. Really I think I have find. most of them. I'm pretty sure I have most of them. Okay. Well, we'll find you again. Have yourself a merry little Christmas, everybody. 
I don't know if we're posting another episode next week. Maybe we are. Maybe we're not. We'll find out. Maybe we'll take a break. Yeah. We no, could. we won't. We won't. We've got so much, so no, many records got, to talk about. Yeah. You don't have to listen to it the day it comes out. You can go back and listen to them anytime. Just the other day, Sean was like, there's too many guests. I have records I want to talk about. We need to stop <laughs> having guests. And I was like, no. And maybe even Let's co-hosts. Pull them in off the street. <laughs> Sean, you should, uh, we should do your B tape on one of these. We should just dive right in. Yeah, I'd listen to that for free. <laughs> I'd stream that album for free. This has been I'd Buy That for a Dollar. My name is Jeremy. My name is Peter. I'm Sean. I'm Will. And we'll send you off with a, a tasty lick from this John Denver album. We're talking about Not the Muppets one. Okay. Happy holidays. I brought my roommate over here. I'm bullying him into doing this outro with me. So with no less ado, Jacob, wasn't that a great episode? That was a fantastic episode. I've really been happy that I've been able to sit here in the living room and listen to you guys record these. It's been an awesome experience, and I'm very excited for the finished product to come out. I have no idea if he's being earnest or not. I love it. Where might the people find more of that? Well, you can definitely find episodes for I'd Buy That Podcast.com, and there's no apostrophe in the word I'd, just ID, kind of like a Freudian thing, you know? True. Facebook and Instagram, uh, you can like it. You can follow it, and if you have any records you'd recommend, tell us in the comments or email i'dbythatpodcast at gmail.com. True. And if you're hardcore, come see us on the Patreon. If we get enough Patreon folk, we're going to start doing some bonus episodes. Um, but we need, you know, that sweet Patreon bucks to warrant doing all that extra work. It's very expensive to sit in this living room. I run a lot of air conditioning. Thank you, Jacob. Goodbye, audience. Thanks, everyone. Tune in. Christmas, the cowboys, and wide open Christmas for cowboys and wide open plains.